Good evening. You know, when I was uh, preaching this morning, I looked up and I, I saw a lot of visitors. And uh, they were all scattered out in different places. And I thought, um, how can you get to them all? How, how can you get to and greet and, and welcome all the people that are here? And uh, I, I wanted to tell you, it doesn't matter who it was. I thought it, I thought it was really neat. One of the visitors I, I was speaking, speaking to before he left, we uh, visited with, with him for a little while. And one of the brothers came out and met him and was, was talking to him. And, and uh, he, he said something about uh, this young couple, this couple that had been sitting near him. And I said, uh, just out of curiosity, I said, how, how did that, how did you uh, get into that conversation with him? And he said, well, he said, uh, they, they turned around and, and recognized me as being a visitor and, and just engaged me and said, ask me all the same questions you just asked me. Um, but but they had questions about who he was and what his background was and where he was and where he was spiritually and things like that. And I, I wanted to tell you, I, I didn't bother trying to, to figure out who it was because it doesn't matter what, what felt so good is to know that as a congregation that people are engaging in that kind of sitting next to you in the pew outreach. That's what we have to have. We have to have people who turn you and we thought about we, we can't run around and, and grab everybody and see everybody but you can, you can welcome the people next to you. You can encourage them. You can let them know that you're glad that, that they're in. Whoever that couple was, um, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for them, for, for helping him. When he left, he had a, a big smile on his face and he said, I'll see you next Sunday. Um, and I thought, before I had a chance to speak to him, someone else reached out to him and made him feel welcome. Um, so God bless those of you who are God's hands and, and eyes and ears and feet to those who are looking for the truth. You know that old phrase, it evidently came from Julius Caesar's letter, and I, I know I'm going to botch the pronunciation, so forgive me, but vini veri vidi vici. See, I even practiced it. I came, I saw, I conquered. You know, I'll say it in English. I came, I saw, I conquered. That short brevity of, uh, of three statements. Tonight, we're not going to talk about Julius Caesar. We're going to talk about Joseph's brothers in Genesis chapter 42. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 42. Joseph's brother said, we saw, we did not listen, now there comes a reckoning. And it reminded me of that same, that same idea of the, those three parts. We saw, we didn't listen. Now there comes a reckoning. You know what brought that conversation about? The brothers have come to Egypt to get grain. There's famine throughout the land. And in Genesis chapter 42, Joseph says, okay, you do this. Here's Joseph's plan. You do this and you'll live. For I fear God. If you're honest men, let one of your brothers remain confined where you are in custody and let the rest go and carry grain for the famine of your households. Bring your youngest brother to me so your words will be verified and you shall not die. And they did so. Now look at verse 21. They said to one another, in truth, we are guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us and we did not listen. That is why this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, Did I not tell you not to sin against the boy? But you did not listen. So now, there comes a reckoning for his blood. We saw, we didn't listen. Now there comes a reckoning. Let's look at that first part about we saw. The Bible says we saw the distress of his soul. You know they saw it, but we don't. Do you know if you read that account, we see nothing about Joseph's reaction. Nothing. 
Not a single word, not a single verse. The Bible says they put his brother, you know, first of all, they wanted to kill him. And they saw him coming. Look, here comes the dreamer. Let's kill him. And his brother intercedes and then says, no, let's not kill him. Let's just put him, let, let's put him down in this pit. There's a pit with no water. The Bible doesn't tell us a single word about what Joseph says, about what Joseph does, about how Joseph feels. Nothing. Until we get to this chapter and the brothers say, we saw the distress of his soul. Would it distress you to be put down in a pit? Do you know that, the, I don't know if they do that anymore, but it used to be part of, of Siri training for, for potential pilots that, that they would put them down in a, in a pit, usually had some water in it, and, and, and would cover it up. It was intended to cause distress. It wasn't meant to make you comfortable. It wasn't meant to make you happy. It was meant to kind of freak you out. To, to, to put you in a situation where you had to deal with a very high stress environment. Well, they take him and they throw him down in that pit. And, and the brothers say, we saw the distress of his soul. And did you notice what they said? In truth, we are guilty. Do you know, I think that's one of the hardest things for us. Is accepting the truth of our actions. We are guilty. If you could get people to say that more often, we'd be better off. I am guilty. We, we fight against that with everything we've got. Heather and I were reading an article just this morning or last night about a, a gentleman who had committed this heinous, heinous crime. All the evidence was against him. All of the witnesses against him. I just, it looked like one of those cases that you know, may end up in, in the death penalty or just, just a horrible, horrible amount of evidence against this guy. And the, the end of the article says he pled what? Not guilty. Not guilty. And I thought, I wonder what the percentage of cases are that plead not guilty. And I thought, how often we as Christians plead not guilty? Oh, no, 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 I, I, I didn't do that. I didn't say that. I, I'm, I'm not guilty of that. Do you know that there's a verse that specifically talks about that in the Bible in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 20? And it refers to the adulteress, but I think the principle is true of so many types of sin. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 20 says this. This is the way of an adulteress. She eats... Wipes her mouth and says, I've done no wrong. Isn't that blunt? The adulteress. She eats and wipes her mouth. I haven't done anything wrong. Don't accuse me of anything. I haven't done anything wrong. And to get to this idea where we have the brothers and they say, in truth, we are guilty. We are guilty. They realize what they've done. They realize the truth of their actions. We saw the distress. We saw him. We saw him in the pit. We saw that he was in distress. We saw the distress of his soul. And what was their reaction? We didn't listen. We did not listen. And it says, I hate this phrase that it's in here, when he begged us. When he begged us. Or some translations say when he pleaded with us. When you're watching a movie and the producer of the movie wants you to know that the character is a heartless, cruel person, you know one of the ways they show that? The person's begging for mercy, begging to live. And what does the guy do? Kills him anyway. Shoots him, kills him with, with, no, with no obvious reaction, right? Begging doesn't work. When you, when you want to show a heartless, cruel person who has no compassion, you have someone beg them for their life and have them completely ignore it. That's how you show someone who has no heart, who has no compassion. No, no forgiveness whatsoever. The Bible says this is exactly what the brothers did. He begged. 
And, and so we know this. Not only was Joseph in distress, he wasn't down there whimpering. He was begging his brothers to not do what they were doing. Pleading with them. Pleading with them. And he says, we're guilty. We saw the distress of his soul. He begged us. He pleaded with us. And we did not listen. How does God feel about that kind of behavior? The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 18. There was a servant who owed a lot of money. Jesus compares this to the kingdom of heaven. He says in chapter 18 and verse 24. When he began to settle one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Since he couldn't pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, I have patience with me and I'll pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him began to choke him saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's straight down the pipes, isn't it? That's as straight as Jesus can put that. So we see Joseph's brothers. And he's pleading. Please. So we didn't listen. He, he was in distress and he pleaded with us and we didn't listen. And then this very haunting part of, of the end of the verse. Where Reuben says. Now there comes a day of reckoning. Some translations say his blood is required. His blood is required. The, the word is interesting there. That word for reckoning, it, it comes from a root that simply means to count. You know when you reconcile your checkbook and you make sure that this agrees with this, that those two things are together to, to reckon, to count, that you, you, you make sure that things agree and that things are counted up correctly. Um, an evening up, a reconciliation. Now his blood is required. Now it's time to balance the scales. We saw him. He begged us. We didn't listen. Now it's time to balance. Reuben says, I told you not to sin against that boy. Isn't that funny that I told you so? I told you. I told you not to do this. But we, you didn't listen. And now comes a day of reckoning. When Heather and I were first married, we, our car was falling apart and I wanted to get a new car and I looked at our budget. I said, okay, I think we can afford this much. And I looked in the newspaper and there was a really nice pickup truck and it was like $131 a month. And I said, yeah, I, I think we might be able to swing that. Teeny tiny little fine print. Now $131 for this many months and then it said 23000 due at the end of the period. And I learned what a balloon payment meant. <laughs> it's a day of reckoning. It's a day to balance the books. And, and you, you, know, you paid a little bit, but now it's the day of reckoning. Now it's time to balance the sheet. Now it's time to make things right. 
This is the idea behind what the brother is saying. Now it's time to settle accounts. And what does the ledger book look like? Well, let's see. We threw him in a pit. He begged us. And we didn't listen. Yeah, we're guilty. In truth, we're guilty. And now it's time to settle up. It's very interesting in chapter 42 that in verse 23, they didn't know Joseph could understand every word they said. Wouldn't that be interesting as they're discussing this? And, and Reuben is saying, I told you, I told you not to do this. We're guilty. We didn't listen. He begged us. The, the young man who had begged them for mercy was standing right there. And in verse 24, it says, he turned away from them and wept. Wouldn't that be emotionally overwhelming? To hear your brothers talking about what they'd done to you. Realizing the wrongness of what they'd done to you. Having never received an apology from them. Having never had any kind of conversation about what went on. So we jump forward a little bit. And when we get to chapter 45. And they're back. And we get to chapter 44. At the end of 44. And they're talking about his father. And, and explaining some of the things going on back home. And verse, chapter 45 and verse 1 says. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He, he couldn't handle it anymore. He couldn't control those emotions. And verse 2 says he wept aloud. And he was very loud, wasn't he? So that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. Have you ever heard someone crying so loudly you could hear it in another room? All the emotion is coming out. All of that that's inside of Joseph is coming out. But it's not anger that's coming out. And in verse 4 when Joseph says, come near to me please. Can you imagine? <laughs> come here. It's Joseph. Second only to Pharaoh. Powerful. You're in his house. You've admitted right in front of him, we're guilty. Joseph says, I want you to notice three things Joseph says. In verse 9, he reveals himself to them and he says, Come down to me. Don't tarry. Don't wait. He doesn't say, you go away. You think about what you did and then you come. He says, come to me quickly. Come now. I want you here now. Come quickly. Don't tarry. Number two, you shall be near me. I want you close to me. I'm not going to put you away. I want you close to me. Come quickly and come close. And then number three in verse 11, he says, I will provide for you. I'm going to take care of you. The man who begged for mercy and received none said, I'm going to take care of you. I want you near me. I want you to dwell with me. I want you to remember tonight, the Bible is not the story of Joseph. The Bible is the story of Joseph's God. We see a good example of this forgiveness and this kindness from Joseph, but I want to tell you that what we see in the pages of Scripture is not about Joseph. It's about God. He saw our distress. The Bible tells over and over that God saw our distress. He saw that we were in need of a Savior. He saw that we were like sheep without a shepherd. He saw that we were lost in our sins. And when we cried out to Him, when His people cried out to Him, no matter what they'd done, when they cried out, what did He do? What does the Bible say over and over? He listened. He heard their cry. He answered them in their distress. And there's a day of reckoning coming, isn't there? There's a day of reckoning that not a single person in here can say, I'm not, I'm not guilty. I didn't do anything wrong. I've not sinned. None of us. None of us who are in here can, can say, well, I have, none of the adults and nobody of an accountable age can say, I have not done anything to, to uh, just like we taught the kids, right? Romans 3.23, what does it say? All have sinned 
and fall short of the glory of God. There's a day of reckoning. And like his brothers, we can say, in truth, we are guilty. In truth, we're guilty. But you know what God says to us through his word? Same thing Joseph says to his brothers. Come here. Come quickly. Don't tarry. Come now. And to Paul, why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. What are you waiting for? What's holding you back? Come here and come quickly. Dwell with me. I'll be your God and you be my people. Come and be with me. I don't want you over there. I want you here. I want you with me. And I want you here quickly. And I will provide for you. I'll take care of you. I'll give you everything you need. In the story of Joseph, we're the brothers. We're not Joseph. We're the brothers who are guilty. We're the ones who need to plead for help. But unlike Joseph's brothers, we have somebody listening to us who wants to help. If you're not a Christian, you're in a pit. You're in a place of no hope. You can't work your way out of it. You can't earn your way out of it. You can't beg your way or pray your way out of it. You know how Joseph got out of the pit? His brothers lifted him out. We sing that song, love lifted me. When, how much else could help? When nothing else could help. Love lifted me. I'm asking you tonight if you need to get out of that pit. <laughs> There's a good God. An incredible Father. Who wants you near Him. Who wants you to dwell with Him. Who wants to forgive what you've done against Him. And if you're already a member of the church, you need to be reminded that this is the God we serve. A God who allows us to come back. A God who allows us to stand up again and say, I know that in truth I'm guilty, but I can't live away from you. I need you. And he says, come. Come close. Draw near to God and what? He'll draw near to you. If you need to respond to tonight's invitation, we offer God's invitation. If you'll come while we stand and sing.